0: Daily with Jason Mertidis. And welcome to a game day edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez presented by Penn Medicine, the official health system of the Philadelphia Flyers and Wells Fargo Center. It is game day once again. Strap in, Flyer fans. Games three and four in back to back days. Coming up tonight at seven, game three, game four tomorrow at 8 p.m. And then the revised schedule. Game 5 will be on Tuesday at 7 p.m. Game 6 will be Thursday, if needed, at a to-be-determined time. And Game 7 will be Saturday, September 5th, also at a to-be-determined time. What the schedule change does, it eliminates a back-to-back situation should the series go 7. Much more palatable with Game 3 and Game 4 as the back-to-back, as opposed to Games 2 and 3, and then also Games 6 and 7. So, Good news in that regard. As we all know at this point, the NHL did postpone the last two days of games from each hub city in uh, Edmonton at Rogers Place and in Toronto at Scotiabank Arena. And the NHL statement reads as follows. "Quote: After much discussion, NHL players believe that the best course of action would be to take a step back and not play tonight and tomorrow's games as scheduled. The NHL supports the players' decision and will reschedule those four games beginning Saturday and adjust the remainder of the second round schedule accordingly. Black and brown communities continue to face real painful experiences and the NHL and NHLPA recognize that much work remains to be done before we can play an appropriate role in a discussion centered on diversity, inclusion, and social justice. We understand that the tragedies involving Jacob Blake, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and others require us to recognize this moment, and we pledge to work to use our sport to influence positive change in society. The NHLPA and NHL are committed to working to foster more inclusive and welcoming environments within our arenas, offices, and beyond. The Flyers also released a statement and said, quote, The Flyers stand united with the NHL, NHLPA, and the Hockey Diversity Alliance in the decision to postpone tonight and tomorrow's games. We are committed to using our platform to create dialogue and meaningful action in the pursuit of social change and racial equality, end quote. Obviously, both of those quotes were from a couple of days ago, referring to the games on Thursday and Friday. But we are back today. And Stanley Cup playoff action will take place on this Saturday around the NHL. And the Flyers tonight will face off against the New York Islanders in game number three at 7 p.m. Bill Meltzer is going to join us momentarily with a preview of games three and games four. What lies ahead? And also, I'm going to ask him the question. Because with the back-to-back that was scheduled from games two and games three, if you listen to the episode that day, you know that I made the case that The Flyers blowing a three-goal lead but ultimately winning in overtime was in-series momentum they could have carried in a back-to-back situation. I feel that momentum is gone now um, for a litany of reasons. Anytime there's a day between games, momentum is fleeting in the playoffs to begin with. And then couple that with what's gone on the last couple of days. And obviously, momentum doesn't carry in that circumstance as well. But it's an opportunity tonight for the Flyers to grab a 2-1 series lead and use this back-to-back to carry into game four as well. They're going to need to be prepared tonight. The the Islanders are not going to lay down. They're a team that, as we saw in game two, despite getting down 3-0, battled their way back and ultimately lost in overtime, uh, much to the Flyers' benefit. The NHL is back, and to talk about it all from HockeyBuzz.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and NHL.com, it's Bill Meltzer. Bill, are you ready for some hockey? I sure
1: am. You know, it's a big big weekend coming up here. Um, You know, the... uh, a little bit, a little bit delayed for you know for for reasons everybody knows. But uh, you know, three three games and four nights is always, always a challenge, and obviously the, the this, how this weekend goes is going to be critical for the series.
0: Yeah, two massively important hockey games and uh, a tie series. Game three is such a huge one. And then to, to compound it, game four by a, a byproduct of that, the team that wins game three, if they go up and uh, go 3-1, it's um, you know pretty much a 90, nine times out of 10, they're going to win that series. Um, Bill, let me ask you this to start with, because um, I, I was a firm believer that had the schedule remain normal, that the Flyers blowing a 3-0 lead and then ultimately getting it done in overtime. And they blew the 3-0 lead late in the third period by the time the Islanders tied it. They had to kill off a penalty with two minutes left, two minutes and nine seconds. Um, and the Islanders are feeling great at that point. Um, but then to ultimately be deflated, I thought that, that was an opportunity to have some in-series momentum, which is something that's very fleeting in the Stanley Cup playoffs because it was a back-to-back situation. Do you feel like that would have been advantage Flyers if, uh, if they would have played that in the back-to-back originally?
1: I, I think possibly. You know, it's, um, Sometimes there can be a carryover. Um, it, it is hard to beat the same team. Uh, on two consecutive nights, um, you know, it, it, it's. Uh, but I mean, you know, but it, but there def, definitely is potentially a, a carryover effect. I mean, the Flyers did clearly dodge the bullet. If you, if you lose that game, it's a whole different feeling going into Game Three. So, uh, you know, but I, I, I think both teams are back on even footing here. Um, and uh, you know, I, had the had the game been played as scheduled originally on Thursday. I had wondered whether, you know, I'd, I'd wondered whether the Flyers might go with Brian Elliott for the simple reason, six games in 10 in ten nights is an awfully big workload, even on a young goalie. That's, mm-hmm. that's rough. So now with two extra nights off, I, I think it kind of resets the, the goalie rotation a little bit.
0: And it also prepares for a back-to-back as well. You know, obviously, yeah. AV will make that decision pending uh, tonight, and how the, the game plays out, not only shot load, workload, zone time, and all the aesthetics of, of, of the goaltending position and what that workload looks like for Carter Hart. Um, it, it also maybe does give the Flyers an advantage in waiting because Semyon Varlamov didn't play two of the three periods in that game that would have been the front end of a back-to-back. And we're presuming that he would go back in, and I think that will be the case. Uh, Bill, um, it also eliminates a double back-to-back in this series. And one of the things I really didn't like when the original schedule came out was a potential back-to-back game six and game seven. That's gone. We have the back to back today and tomorrow, but now you eliminate that back to back, and I think that's even more important.
1: No, I I totally agree. That's uh, you know, that, especially especially when you're looking at the the ultimate game of a series. Doing that on the back to back is it's pretty rough, you know. I mean, this is this is going to be a grueling stretch as it is. Uh, you know, a lot of times players will say that it's it's not the back to back that's really that adds up. It's the three and four, the four and six. Yeah. So, uh, you know, dude, so, I mean, it, it'll still be three games and four nights. So it, it, it's still, but, you know, I don't no mean it's going to be an easy, easy challenge, but to do the back to back and then, you know, game five, and then, and then another back to back potentially for six and seven, it would have been really, really tough on both sides.
0: Um, Bill, The guy that's really stuck out in this series, and for obvious reasons, he's a tremendously offensive, talented player. And, and that's Matthew Barzell. And when his lines out there and, you know, you see that creativity, speed, vision, playmaking ability, hockey IQ that he displays, and the guys that he plays with work so well together. Um, the Flyers seem to be having trouble with that line. Now in game three and game four, Elaine Vigneault is not going to get the, the, the last change, not going to get the matchup that he particularly wants. How cognizant does he have to be of, of any opportunity when that, when that group's on the ice, both at his back end and, his, and who he has up front uh, on what line?
1: Oh, you have to be yeah. You have to be you have to be very careful at all times with how you manage that matchup. Not end up in situations where you have tired players in the ice taking icing. They have to stay out there, and you know, and all of a sudden the Barzal line comes out too. I mean, Brock Nelson's line has been uh, you know been a bit of a challenge too. They 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 have a very good very good top six of the lineup, and uh, and I mean, Pajot, even before even before he came over to uh, to the Islanders you know, was was a thorn on the flyer side. That's been a good line for them too. So, you know, they're, but but definitely Barzell is the guy that, uh, you know, you have to be hyper aware of at all times when he's on the ice because he can – you can still play it right and he can still make a play. So that's uh, – you know, the, he he's on another level from anyone the flyer's face in the, uh, the Montreal series. Now maybe a guy like Suzuki will eventually be there, but uh, Barzell is one of those guys who every time he touches the puck is potentially dangerous.
0: Yeah, and he seems to have bought in pretty nicely with uh, Barry Trotz's defensive system as well and still has that explosiveness offensively. Um, Bill, looking at the series, you know, it's interesting series because, you know, the Flyers go down in game one. They clearly didn't match uh, the Islanders' intensity to start that game. Um, the Islanders played really well, and, and you know, Varlamov uh, rode that 137, 38-minute shutout streak right in uh, to game number two. Um, but you look at game number two, the Flyers do get out to that 3 nothing lead um, but ultimately, the, the Islanders claw their way back. How do you see this series from, uh, from the standpoint of, um, you know, moving forward with, with how the Flyers have played against this team? I know that they went 0-3 in the regular season. All three were back-to-backs. And only the Islanders had one back-to-back in those games. Um, and I don't look at the regular season as a harbinger of what's to come in the playoffs. But where are the Flyers with their game against the Islanders right now in this series tied at one?
1: Well it's funny, you know, if you look back to the last series with Montreal, in some ways they were kind of game one and two reversed. Um, because the Islanders were all over the Flyers in the first period. Now the Flyers did, you know, only give up the one goal thanks to Carter Hart. Flyers pretty well dominated, at least territorially, that second period, they just they just couldn't even it up. Um now the third period was different as the game got a little a little bit away, but the first forty minutes were a little bit like reverse of the Montreal game. And in game two, of course, uh, in, in that one, Montreal jumped on the Flyers quickly. And, uh, you know, they, they fell behind and just never, never got back to uh, equal footing in that one. So they, the, you know, the Flyers jumped all over uh, the Islanders, chased Varlamov early in uh, game two. And uh, I mean, the Islanders did ultimately tie it up. But I mean, the Flyers definitely got the quick start that they wanted. And that's, uh, that's been a huge key. I mean, I don't think it's, um I don't think it's any coincidence that the Flyers are seven and zero in the postseason when they've scored first, and zero three when they've had to chase the game. I mean, that's pretty pretty common in the NHL anyway. Uh, I think that having a having a good start to the game is crucial, and uh, you know, I I think the Flyers are okay. Uh, you know, obviously one so one, it's now a five game series but I, I don't think the flyers have, have brought anything, you know, you, I mean, you don't, you're not going to dominate all three periods against most teams, but I mean, but you would, would say, okay, over, over most of the game, over 40 minutes of the game over, over whatever, you know, I, I, don't, I, I think the flyers have another level. They, they have to get to the level, you know, to be able to win the series. Um And I, and I mean, honestly, I, I think that, uh, you know, the flyers have kind of seen the Islanders at their best Um. Once the flyers get the four check going that, that's a big thing to me because the islanders are a team that will turn pucks, turn some pucks over we saw that in in uh, game two and that was a pattern from the regular season too the islanders no no team had more giveaways than the Islanders did this season um, if you you know if you, you can get your four check going on them then uh, you know the, you'll get some chances that way uh they are they are a hard team to get pucks behind and, and you know, get pucks to the inside. I thought the Flyers did very did a much better job of that though. Um you know, a much better job in the attack. Um one thing I would have liked to have seen a little bit better, I think, in game two, was that you know, once once Grice came in for Varlamp, I don't think Grice was really tested until the overtime. I mean the Flyers came out with a lot of energy attacking in overtime and lo and behold they they went pretty quickly, thankfully, for the Flyers. But, uh you know, I would have liked to have seen a little more sustained attack they you know getting up three nothing was nice, but I would have like to have seen a, a a little bit a little bit more test for uh gryce so i think I think the flyers have to be you know a, a little better than they've been in the first two games
0: yeah, I think it's an interesting point because Grice comes into that game- having only played i think a period in the exhibition game yeah. to that point point. and yeah. Yeah, I mean it's just not a guy who's been in game situations, and that's a tough spot you know when you're down three nothing I guess it's a nothing to lose spot for for thomas Grice and his coach is looking to change momentum, and clearly Varlamov was not on his game with the two short-side goals from Kevin Hayes. Um, one thing I noticed, Bill, zone exits in the game. A very pronounced uh, adjustment for yep. Lane Vino, and that yep. is flipping pucks. If you can't flip, go yep. up the walls, go over top of them. And I saw a lot of yep. flip pucks and out, and it seemed to be working.
1: That was very highly effective, first period particularly, second period also. Mm-hmm. Um, no, team does, no team does that better than uh, – the Vegas golden Knights. I mean, they are, they're the team that does it the most frequently, with a ton of success. I mean, if you, if you can do that and then, you know, get on the puck in the neutral zone and all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're attacking with some speed. I mean, the flyers, you know, flyers scored that way. And they got to me, they got away from that a little bit in the latter part of the game. Um, but I, I think that that, that, that was an adjustment that was successful and it's something I think you should look, you know, to see them continue to try to do. Um, you know, in, in uh, game three and beyond. Uh, I, I thought that uh, Phil Myers particularly did that well.
0: Yeah, he did. And Justin Braun with the assist on Kevin Hayes' second goal, he flips yep. it. And uh, I guess Farabee touched it at some point. But what he did was he he ties up that man. And he, and he occupies that defenseman where that puck lands. And that's exactly what you need to do. Because then Hayes takes it on the two-on-one. And he's got on both of his goals, as a matter of fact. On the first goal, he's got Giroux driving the net as an option to go to. So Barlamov's got to load that right leg uh, for that option. And then the other one was with Nicholas Albae-Kubel. And again, Kevin Hayes saw Barlamov load that right leg. And when he does that, he knows that he's, yeah. you know, his ability to make a save on his blocker side on that short side is a little bit, you know, compromised and good read by Kevin Hayes, right?
1: It was, it was the, uh, you know, the first, the first one was, I guess from above the doubt second one from the, the bottom of the circle. Those are, you know, they're nice shots. He, he knew where he wanted to go with it. And, and he, he hit that spot. So that's, uh, that's way I mean. You know, if you score twice there, keep testing, them, you know, yeah. <laughs> keep, keep doing it. it. It's, uh, you know, the, in, in game one, and in, I, mean, I, I thought Farlamoff certainly played well, I got a shutout. So, you know, certainly was, uh, certainly did his, his part of it, but again, I, I didn't think he was necessarily tested all that frequently in, in game one game two, you know, game two was, was a little bit different. I mean, uh, you know, I, I would a goalie like those short side goals back? He would. But as you said, I mean, you, you know, he, he had options to go to and he had to have something in the back of his head too. Uh, you know, it's funny, Claude Giroux only ended up with the one assist in the game, but he, he was instrumental in, in uh, a couple of the goals or winning winning a face-up, one in the offensive zone, one in the defensive zone. Defensive zone was the first one. And uh, taking a D-man with him, and that uh, that opened up a passing lane and also opened up a shooting lane too. So even though even though he did not end up getting an assist on that one, he was a big part of that goal being scored. Uh, that and that to me was one of the most uh, you know, one of the most encouraging signs. Game one, uh, I, I thought that uh, you know Travis Konechny looked very close to scoring. I think he still does. Yeah. Uh, has he has yet to bag one, but he he looks close.
0: Yeah, I can um, see he's got jump then, right now. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure, and and he, he looks, you know, he looks like he looks like the player we saw during the season. Yeah. Um, the goal that the goal that Couturier scored was just a sheer determination that no one was going to stop him on that play, and and to actually scored had to have been a big weight off of his shoulders. So and that was that was easily Claude Giroux's best game in the postseason too. So you know, we've been talking about a you know one of the big guns going to step up, and they did in game two. Um, if they continue to do so, then, then the the complexion of the series I think shifts towards the Flyers.
0: Yeah, it's a great point because, Bill, I felt like in the previous games in the Montreal series, to an extent in the round robin, too, with the top line with Couturier, Drew, and Vorchak. And I know Elaine Vigneault kind of moved Drew around a little bit to center and wing, different lines, and that kind of stuff. But um, that game in game two, for the first time, I felt like that they were playing instinctual hockey again where I felt like they were thinking before. And you know how you can see yeah. players think on the ice just – you know, that's when, you know, you try to make that extra pass and you don't have full confidence, so you don't execute it um, and those kind of things. And I felt like it was a very instinctual game out of Giroud, Voracek, and Couturier. And and your point about the Couturier goal, um, Giroud makes what looks like a really simple play, but it's not. Um, that redirect pass in the neutral zone. Um, yeah. First of all, that puck's coming yeah. hot, number one. And it's not just about redirecting it. It's about redirecting it to a spot where Couturier can skate into it full speed. And that gives him then a, a way better chance of beating a defender on a one-on-one than it is if he's kind of limping into the zone. And he took advantage of that speed and strung him out and eventually strung out Varlamov. Um, did you get that same sense that that line just looks now like they're back to playing instinctual hockey, at least in game two?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Giroux in particular, because when Giroux really on his game, he's one of those guys who's thinking a step ahead and he's mm. just, dude, but it's, it's, uh, you know, but he's just, it, it's just an, it's, it's just an instinctual thing for him because of his level of hockey sets. And it, it did look like particularly, you know, and uh, I don't know how much of it, you know, how much of the power play woes or whatever weighed in, weighed into all of that. And that's something the Flyers are still really looking to, looking to fix. But, you know, but I, I, I it looked to me like he was, you know, overthinking place. Um, they were trying for the perfect play rather than just making a play.
0: Yeah, and the other thing too is um, I don't think it should be lost that the shift in overtime that that line put in um, to get to that, that led to the scoring chance for Phil Myers and the goal. Uh, they were all over the Islanders on that shift. I mean, Couturier almost ended it a couple of seconds earlier, just shot it over the net, but and then Couturier yep. gets it back to Phil Myers, and because of that big, big, heavy shot of his. lot of times that'll hit that stick and just kind of die on that one it bounced down down into the ice and back up and that's hell on high water for a goalie to try and save when it bounces down and up. Yeah we have talked about it yeah (laughs) oh absolutely
1: no absolutely we've we've talked about that the the other way around too where Mm -hmm. you know the longer you longer you pin a team in their own zone, you know I, I think that every every 10 seconds or so it goes, every every opportunity they have to clear they can't get it out of the zone. The chances of, of a goal or, you know, well, I mean, <laughs> we weren't calling much, but, I mean, the chances of a power play or, or a goal being scored or a goalie having to step up really big increase exponentially. Eventually, there's going to be, a, a, you know, there's going to be an opening, there'll be a breakdown.
0: Um, Bill, um, when you look at the team, too, right now, the lineup changes that Elaine Vino made, uh, he, he takes out Chingas, to spare, and brings in the big body, Robert Haig, for some physicality, shot blocking. He does all those things so well, especially against a big team like uh, the New York Islanders, and he also brings James Van Riemsdyk in. Uh, do you expect any lineup changes? I was shocked to see Scott Lawton out, but um, as Scott uh, referred to yesterday in his availability that, you know, his puck maintenance hasn't been great, so he understood the decision, and, uh, you know, he's not going to sit around and mope about it. Uh, but do you expect any lineup changes for games three, especially with a back-to-back coming? That's another element of this that could play in uh, between three and four.
1: Yeah, I think there potentially could be a change. I, I think that they'd like to get Lawton back in the lineup. you gotta, you got to find the spot for him. Um, I, I think that and he's only just, just come back in the series, so he deserves a little opportunity to work through it. Uh, I don't think that uh, Bay Cubell has quite looked like himself so far in the series. He's been physical. You, you need that from him. He, he looked to me like he was forcing plays a little bit. I mean, kind of the way Scott Lawton was, truth, truthfully, is the... Uh, Montreal series went along so if, if that might be a place to get him and I think they'd like to get Ben Reams like another another opportunity here he looked like he took a step in the right direction also is one of the guys who I think played a, a little bit better um it
0: was good in his style. last time too. yeah
1: oh he made yeah he made he made a he made a couple couple plays where he was he was the puck support on the play and he you know he helped break up a rush that was going to turn dangerous if, if he didn't do that so that uh you know and and uh obviously you need off you need forechecking you need offense out of him. it's not just not just defend, you know not just defensive play alone's gonna keep him in the lineup but but he has he, you know he at least he contributed something towards that and, and i, I thought that i thought in overtime i thought in overtime he had a good mm-hmm. forechecking shift and I, I you know it's just sometimes it takes baby steps before you you know so so hopefully that's a step in the right direction and i don't think there'll be more than one more than one lineup change for the next game um with the Flyers not having the the last change, um, you know it, it's going to be interesting how they how they manage that. Sometimes the there there have been times where the Flyers bottom six has, has ended up in their their own zone quite a bit. I thought that Derek Grant was one of the few Flyers Flyers who played pretty well in Game One, though. Um, so you know, I mean, it, it's uh, you know, the, these are guys who these are guys who who got them there down down the stretch and into there and. You know, you're still 7-3 you're still and three in the postseason, obviously going into a crucial game in the series tied 1-1. So, I mean, I don't think he's going to make any kind of wholesale changes or, or do a ton of line juggling to start the game. But he's, he's shown a willingness not to wait around too long either if something isn't working. So, you know, I, I think that um, – I, I think you could start the game, you know, the way you started last time, or gonna you, you may see one change.
0: Uh, I'm really surprised, Bill, what we haven't seen in the bubble at all and you know, it's hard to maybe do it after game two because we just talked about the Couturier, Giroux, and Voracek line and how good they looked. But I'm surprised we haven't seen the combination of Couturier, Giroux, and Travis Konechny. Is, is, I am is too. A yeah, first to that? I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, especially
1: well. I, you know, I mean, you, not. I mean, not as a trio, but you did see. Uh, well, because they were they were together as a trio in the past, and. uh and Couturier and Konechny were together regularly in the early part of the season when it was the, the line of Couturier and Konechny and, and uh, Oscar Lindblom were the best line for the first six weeks of the season. So, I mean, you, you might see it at some point, but, uh, you know, I, I think they really – I think I think a big part of it has had to do – they they've liked Voracek with, uh, you know, on the right side with Couturier, so I think that's, that's part of it. And, I mean, they've, they've changed the left wing spot around actually a little bit. Giroux moved. As you said, they moved back to center. Farabee saw a little bit of time up there. Even even uh, Michael Roffel saw some time up there and scored, you know, scored a goal in the uh, Montreal series from it too. So, you know, I mean, they, they might juggle things around. If things aren't working, maybe you move uh, for a check with Hayes. You know, I mean, but, uh, you know, I, again, I think anything is on the table. You know, you, you, have to, you have to play that that particular game that's in front of you. So, uh, I think if, if they need a spark or something, that still is on the table to try that
0: tell you one thing. Jake Voracek has competed his rear end off after missing the one game in the round robin against – I guess it was against Washington that Thursday. Um, Boy, he's had a lot of compete in his game, and when he's moving his feet, he draws penalties. But, Bill, I got to tell you, I really didn't like that hit I saw that Voracek take uh, at the game-winning goal in overtime at the side of the net and fall down behind the net. Uh, I'm surprised the league didn't look at it, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah really ugly yeah game. no i
1: it was and that was one of the things that kind of you know slipped under the radar because you know because the game was over yeah, but it's it, uh yeah exactly but uh yeah that was uh yeah that was that was a that was a pretty dicey play you know um more more was actually made out of matt Niskanen. and it was a clean hit you know but mm-hmm. the more was made of the Niskanen and hit on uh you know, on Ross Johnston, and uh, you know, it was just you know, I mean, honestly, if the opportunity presents itself, you know, do it again. Johnston is one of the Islanders' most physical players, I think it ten hits in game one. I mean, he's he's a guy who will get involved physically, and I, I don't really know, you know, I don't really know how, you know, and they said that that fired the Islanders up. I, I don't know. The Islanders were kind of coming a little bit there. I, it was more, it was more the delay of game penalty that followed yeah. that opened the door crack and they scored on the power play. I, I don't think, I don't think, it was that hit specifically.
0: Um, and you led me right to where I wanted to go next. And kind of the last thing here is Matt Niskanen, um, in the bubble. Um, and we've seen some players, veteran players in particular, have a hard time regaining their, their game in total. And Matt Niskanen was one of those guys that didn't look like Matt Niskanen from the regular season, but in the last, in that last game, he looked like Matt Niskanen from the regular season to me.
1: Yeah. And I thought that the first game back in, in game one, that was one of the, uh, you know, one of the kind of hidden positives—he looked more like himself. Yeah, there was the, there was the uh, three-on-two play, but I mean, just made a hell of a pass there. That's you know, yeah. he challenged he, he challenged the pass, and it was just—it's a, a gorgeous play. But uh, yeah, he looked he looked a little bit more like himself, and I think a little closer still in game two. And 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 having Niskin playing, you know, that that top pair playing the way that they played most of the season—that that's something else too that the Flyers were were looking to have happen. I mean. Uh, I, I thought Provorov's been fine all along, but Beniskin and Had struggled, and Justin Braun had struggled, and you know it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't running as smoothly as it did for really half of a the season there. So, you know I think those all those things contributed contributed into the Montreal series being as tough as it was. Um, but it, it looks like they're they were trending the right way now with two days off and going into you know the back to back here. We'll see how it continues to shape up, but that's something else too that could bode well.
0: Yeah, very, and that Pavilion goal, I mean, that's a thing of beauty if you're not a Flyers fan. Yeah. I mean, that was just a tremendous hockey play, two-man game kind of going on there and, and the way he finished it uh, past Carter Hart. Uh, Bill, well, the game's going to be back tonight, and we'll have a doubleheader this weekend tonight at 7, and then on Sunday at 8, and uh very important weekend uh, for a lot of people right now uh, in, in these teams moving forward and what they can do in these playoffs Thanks for doing this as always. Great stuff, and uh, we can't wait to watch some game, some hockey tonight, man. Special thanks to Bill Meltzer for joining us on this episode of Flyers Daily. Back to hockey tonight. Flyers will drop the puck coming up tonight at 7 p.m. on a busy Saturday around the NHL. With games today starting at noon as the Lightning will take on the Bruins and the Lightning looking to put the Bruins in a three games to one hole after they put up a touchdown and an extra point in the last game, winning 7-1. to one. Also coming up later on this night, 945, the Canucks will be the home team in this game, taking on the Golden Knights of Las Vegas. That series is tied at one. The Canucks got shellacked in game one, five to nothing. But a huge bounce-back effort putting up their own five spot in game two has that series evened at one game apiece. The only other series in the NHL is the Colorado Avalanche and Dallas Stars. They'll be back in action coming up tomorrow at 6 o'clock. And that series right now has Dallas leading two games to one. They won games one and two, putting up five goals in each. But Aval- but the Avalanche, with a big effort in game number three, are back in the series. Can they even it up? We'll find that out tomorrow. In the meantime, we got Flyers Hockey tonight. Flyers Daily presented by Penn Medicine, the official health system of the Philadelphia Flyers and Wells Fargo Center. Supporting our Flyers, Penn Orthopedics creates the ideal care plan with treatment options fueled by our own world-renowned research, doing what once seemed impossible so you can too. Another reason why your life is worth Penn Medicine. Learn more at pennmedicine.org slash ortho and give them a follow on Twitter at Penn Medicine. Coming up tomorrow, we have a day after game and a game day edition of Flyers Daily. I can hardly wait. Hockey tonight. Everybody, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you on tomorrow's episode of Flyers Tales.